Hello, welcome back. I'm so happy you've joined us this week. We're talking to Mia Brabham today. She's a freelance writer, podcast host, published author, and much more. Settle in to hear all about her exciting life thus far. Welcome to Beaming. of beaming. I actually have a fellow podcast host, a journalist, a writer. She's everything, and we're going to learn all about her today. We are with Mia Brabham. Thank you so much for being on Beaming today, Mia. Oh my gosh, no, thank you for having me. It's such an honor. I, I feel like it's very special to be invited onto a show, let alone your show. Um, So I'm very happy to be here. Yay. Well, thank you so much. I really have been so lucky in who I get to chat with on this show. As you know, Michael, we'll we'll get into, um, was my first guest. And ever since then, I've just been so blessed chatting with such amazing people and hearing amazing stories. And yours is one that I'm so excited to learn more about because I've kind of been like, you know, I've followed you on social media for a while. And obviously, Michael, our uh, mutual friend has talked about you for years ever since I met him. So um, getting to actually sit down and talk to you and, you know, I listen to your podcast now, which is like such a great way to get to know someone too, I think. So um, I'm just excited to learn more about you today. I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you're up to. Yes. So hi, everybody. I'm Mia. I am so excited to be here, clearly, as I said. Um, so my journey has been insane. Um, It makes absolutely no sense, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense to me as it unfolds. I grew up, like, I loved storytelling. So I would like write, you know, like I literally was like my earliest memories writing novels. Like I would write chapters and I loved mystery. So I was a huge fan of like Nancy Drew and like, I would come home and this is like the early 2000s where you had one family computer and you all share and I get home from school and I'd like write my chapters that I was thinking about in school and like my mom would help me like bind them and put them into books and me and my friends would like watch Hannah Montana and then we make spec scripts which is an industry term like I later learned and didn't even know I was doing but like I'd be like I'm gonna make my own episode of Hannah Montana and then we'd like acted out on the porch. And so I was always just like very creative from a young age. And that was like my playtime. Like that was like my, my playground. And then in seventh grade, I got a video camera. It was like this pink little Sony cyber shot, like shitty camera. And I started making videos. Like I used to dance when I was younger too. So my friend and I like choreographed a dance and like YouTube had come out two years earlier. Like this was like YouTube started 2005. I started doing this in 2007 and so we posted a video and the video just like the dance just like blew up because it was such a new platform. So it was like, you think about SEO now, it was like, it was literally just a song we made a dance to, but everyone's looking at the song. So the video came up and then I found Windows Movie Maker and I found out you can make movies. Like it was literally say movie magic because it is like, I was like, I can edit a clip because my first video on YouTube is literally just like an entire clip, one clip just uploaded. Imagine like you literally see me start like this I'm like yeah and then I back up and I'm like it started and then we do our dance and then I like go shut it off I like run you know so now it's like I find out that I can edit it together and so 
at that point, like I had done theater growing up as a kid and I was like, oh, I want to study. Well, I should say I, I really just wanted to like be, move to LA and become a tall actor. My mom was like, no, you're going to college. And I was like, okay. So I was like, I'm going to study film. Like I love storytelling. So I went to JMU and I studied film. Um, and then while I was there, I interned at E. I did a summer in LA and interned at E News and was like, oh my gosh, and started seeing like different dreams take shape. I was like, okay, I could be an on-air host. Like, I think that might be what I want to do. And so I moved to LA or actually after school, I graduated, moved to DC, um, lived there for a year working at Monumental Sports and Entertainment. So I was a video editor for the Wizards um, and the Capitals and the Mystics, which is the WNBA team. Um, and I, I did that just to like, honestly save money. Cause they like paid super well. And I was like, I could do this. And I, that was kind of, I knew I was going to go to LA still. I was like, this is just like a buffer to save. I ended up hosting a little there, which was great. And then I got into the page program. This is a really long story. Wow. I would never tell this long of a story in a job interview, by the way. Um, no, that's what this is for. Like, for these purposes, for you, I'm telling you the lay of the Okay. No, that's perfect. Yeah. It's like I said, wild. So then I moved to LA. I do the page program for a year, then work at a startup for a small documentary company. I get pulled back to E to be a production assistant on a late night show called Nightly Pop. Then that like E starts crumbling. Like I started laying people off and I got nervous. And at that point I had already applied to school to go back. Cause at this point in my head, I started realizing like, I don't know if I want to host like as a full-time job. I kind of saw what it takes and the people around me, mm-hmm. the lives you're living. And I just was like, I don't know if I want that. Like, and I really got back to the core of storytelling for me, which was writing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how did I get so far away from this? Like, it's, it's all the same, but it's so different. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I want to go back to school for writing. So I moved back to DC. I had been dating my boyfriend for four, three years at that point. So moved back. Um, we were together in DC and the pandemic happened and I had lost, I was hosting there and freelance writing lost some of those gigs, but then he got into Duke um, for business school. So then we moved down here. I stopped going to school. I'm actually looking to do my MFA now. So I stopped going, I'm not doing an MA anymore. I'm looking for my MFA. So, I mean, it's literally insane. Like that is my journey so far to be continued. But I mean, I'm really at like a crazy point in my life. It's insane. (laughs) That is so exciting. I feel like your journey just sounds like what, what people always tell you is that like, you just have no idea what's next. And there is no, if you think you're going on one path, the road will probably turn the minute you think you're going steady because I mean, it's so awesome how you've been able to work in DC and then LA and now you're living in North Carolina. Like you get, now you're getting so many different worlds and along the way you're finding the things you're interested in. And so now you're back and writing is, would you say like your number one focus or journalism or is it, is it storytelling like at its core? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say like writing, I think, I think my core purpose and focus is storytelling, mm-hmm. but I think my main medium right now is writing. Okay. Um, I sometimes get pulled. It's like, I, I can't stay away from on air, even when I'm like, I'm not seeking it out <laughs> anymore. Like I used to, but it's like, I, I can't stop. Like in my freelancing jobs, I just got pulled into an on-air role and like, yeah. I wasn't looking for that. It just happened. So it just, it always brings me back to that. But I personally am like, 
focusing on writing. Like I did my book. I, you know, want to further my education in it. I do it for work too. I do it like on my own personal time with my blog and I'm always thinking of new newsletter ideas. So I would say that's kind of my favorite form just because the written word is so one, it's beautiful, but also I feel like I'm so slow to process and I need the time to like really sit down with something and think about it and then put it in a way that I'm like, okay, I can take my story and then turn it outwards so everybody can relate to it. That's, that's what I love about writing. And I just love reading too. So it's kind of, it's a natural passion and joy for me. Yeah. Awesome. So would you say that, okay, I don't want to like jump like too far. I also don't like really saying like, oh, in the future, this or that, but just based on your experiences living in different cities, do you have an idea? Like, do you want to make your career? Um, I mean, obviously your career now is, is, is universal, but uh, do you have an idea of like, oh, I'd love to go back to LA and work in this industry or right here or DC, or are you kind of just along for the ride? Gosh, it's, it's so crazy now. Cause I feel like at this point in my life, I really just want to like where I live. And the problem with LA is like, okay, well, the industry's wild. <laughs> Wasn't like the biggest fan. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of reasons. Um, it's a really tough place to be. Yeah. Um, and it's just very, it's political. Like it's super political mm. um, in the sense of like corporate, like, but to the extreme, I almost feel like it should be a game show or something or like a reality show. Cause it's like all the corporate America, like shit you deal with, but like times 10. Oh um, anyways, oh I, 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 I want to just, I want to live somewhere I like. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really going to be my goal next. And that's kind of why I went towards freelancing because I figured I can make it work wherever I want to live. And that's what kind of happened. Like I had been trying to be a host in LA. And when I left and decided to come back to DC, that's when I started getting paid to host. Like it never happened off in LA. And so I kind of left like knowing in my head, like you can really make anything work for you wherever you are. Like I didn't want to be tied to an industry wherever it was like phys- physically. Um, I wanted to like be able to bring it with me. Um, Cause that's what I was doing in my YouTube days. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I just want to like where I live, but I don't know if I see myself going back to LA. I honestly think I'd have to be pulled back. Like someone would have to ask me back for a specific reason. And it'd have to be a really, really good offer or like a really cool opportunity um, yeah. but I could see myself like, I love DC. I love, um, I, I kind of want to try New York. New York scares me a little, but I think it could be, that was my dream before LA when I was younger. I wanted to go to New York. So I think I might have to try that dream at some point. Um, or this is weird, but Austin, Texas to me is really cool. And they, they actually kind of have, um, like a small, like indie film and media community. So, but I think those are where I'm going next, but it's kind of, it's scary sometimes because I'm like, only 26. And I'm like, I've kind of tried the places I wanted to go. So we'll see from here. We'll see. Yeah. You're young. I feel like sometimes I'll get into a bubble of like, I'm, my time is up. I'm like, I I can't move to where I want to go or I'm not where I want to be. And it's just like, so silly. I'm just like, what the heck? You're not even, you're like in your mid twenties. Are you kidding me? That's the time when you're supposed to be doing these things and not knowing if you're in the right place, but that's great that you kind of, you know, like you're open to new places or, you know, going back to those places. But I definitely feel that I've never thought of it that way that you just want to like where you live. And that's like the most obvious thing that I've just never considered. Like you should just like live somewhere that you enjoy and can 
you know, thrive on your own. And I think like being an actor, that's basically like being a freelancer. I think, you know, like what, when you're, you know, not tied to anyone, you're working for yourself. So, but for a writer, what is it like to be a freelancer? How, like when you stepped into that world, did you know what to expect or like, what, what is it like? Gosh, I mean, it's all over the place all over the place like Mike and I talk about this in the podcast like in season two I'm giving you guys a really big sneak peek but he asked me that and he's like how much do you make and I'm like I could not tell you because it fluctuates like literally one month it can be one thing the next month it's something else it's all about how many projects you take on and you can like schedule for yourself but I'm also so new I'm just like starting out but I mean, it really, it's so funny because looking back, I realized to me, it wasn't much different. Like I didn't consider myself switching industries mm-hmm. um, because I'm like, to me, it's all the same. I'm like media, it's storytelling. Like writing is video is audio. Yeah. Different skill sets. But at the end of the day, you're all telling a story. But I really, I look back and I'm like, I completely pivoted. Like it's, it's different. It's a whole different, like going from like corporate to freelancing, knowing, you know, how to set your rates, like how to get different clients. Like it's a whole different world. And I really just like accidentally made it work. And it wasn't until I was leaving LA, like I, in my head was like, I'm a freelancer. Cause I knew I was going to have like, I had the potential of a writing gig. Um, this is why I was like going to school too. Like I knew I had a potential writing gig. And I knew I had a potential hosting gig, but I really, a week before I left was like, oh shit, I don't really have anything lined up. Like all I have is my savings and I did it. And then luckily a week in at, when I was leaving, I, I told a friend I was leaving and she was like, we're looking for writers at our company. How funny. And I was like, no way. And then she hired me. Um, and so from there it took, I wrote for them for a year. I really didn't start getting other writing gigs until the pandemic. Funny enough, like I'd lost a few gigs and by gigs I had like, it's very confusing. I had hosting gigs and then I had, um, just like that one writing gig. So it was like tossed in there, but it was mostly hosting gigs. And then I didn't really start full-time freelance writing until the pandemic hit. And I started like looking at applications and had a year of experience. So it's been insane. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's great that you're making it work. And I mean, the pandemic has, I mean, everyone is affected in some way, but that's cool that it gave you an opportunity to research those, those gigs a little bit more and make more connections. I mean, there were definitely ups and downs for, for everyone, mostly downs, but so how many clients, like, are, are they your clients? Are you a client? Yeah. Do they use that term? <laughs> is that even? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's weird referring to them as my clients, but I do that to people like, I guess you, they're publications really, but at the end of the day, when you're, you are your business. Yeah. So they're my clients because it's like, I'm offering my writing as a service to you. Um, so that's kind of what I consider it, but I write for, oh my gosh, five different places now. Every day I'm like, I'm just adding gigs on. So it's crazy, but I write for, um, a health and wellness magazine, uh, online called grace and grind. I write for um, a black professional network down in Florida, Gainesville Black Professionals. So I actually just edited their whole magazine, which is crazy. Um, I don't know how that happened. I just like literally just start falling into things. Like I didn't even ask for it. She just like, do you want to edit this? I'm like, okay. So there's that. I write for a baking blog called Bigger Boulder Baking. And I'm also going to be hosting for them um, starting Valentine's Day, um, a podcast, funny enough. Um, So go listen to that. Um, and then 
Oh my gosh, what else? I'm like, I'm missing so many. Prince William Living Magazine, which is a lifestyle magazine up in Nova. So it's like just a ton of different publications and I write for them and every day looks different, which is good. Um, And I like that because I like kind of knowing, like I'm very structured, like knowing what I'm going into. Like I structure my own days. Um, At the same time, it it never gets boring because it's like not um, the same thing. Yeah, you have different projects. When you start working with a different publication, do you come to them with ideas or do you all sit down for like a pitch meeting and you figure out what you want to write? Like, because just because those publications you mentioned all seem very different. You know, it's not like they're all focused on the same topic. It's like baking and also like... It's really wellness. And- it's so funny. And it's like meeting new people or when people ask about this and I'm like, I'm a freelance writer. And they're always like, the next thing is like, oh, who do you write for? And it's like, I wish I could just be like medical publications. It's like, no, they're all literally like six different places. Oh, I just realized too. I also picked up writing social. My, my most recent gig is I'm writing social copy for like Chip and Joanna, like not them actually, but you know, Chip and Joanna on HGTV. I've, yeah, I've, yeah, I know the name. Yeah. They do like house yes. renovations. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like house flipping. And so it's a couple in Houston who does that. And I write social for them. So it's like, I can't even sometimes in my head keep track of everything. Like I, yeah. my big planner has it all because I would literally be like, what's happening day to day. Um, but I, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Everything's really different and it's really exciting too. Cause I've been following it's, it's a new path for me because I don't know a lot of freelancers. And so I basically have like, I feel like almost like imaginary friends because I follow a ton of newsletters where writer freelance writers write about their experience. And it's so interesting because every freelancer experiences things differently. Right. So I know people who like, 60% of their work is pitching and like elite daily and like 17 magazine or like bustle will pick up their pitches. And then the rest is like one client who like they have contractual work with. But for me, it's pretty much all like, I don't do any pitching. I've tried to pitch. I'm so new. Like I need to figure out how to be better at it. Cause it's a whole different ball game to like pitch vulture, yeah. you know, a piece. but for me, it's all just like clients. And then every week I would say like half of them email me a particular project. Like, Hey, you know, for the real estate people I write for, they're like, okay, write, you know, the top 10 ramen spots in Brooklyn. And I've written about like, I've probably written about Richmond, honestly. Like, I've definitely written about DC. So it's like all these places around the country, they'll come to me. Like, I never pitch, they just give it to me and I write the assignment. Um, And then some of them, Grace and Grind is really like the first place I started working for where every month I pitch what I want to write. And it's like, you know, I wrote, I wrote about like how to survive a relationship in a pandemic. Cause that's not easy, you know? Yeah. And then I wrote about like self-care versus self-soothing, like not everything is self-care, but we're under the assumption that we all are. So I really just try to follow my curiosities um, and write about. So I would say it's half and half. Yeah. That definitely keeps it an active job and different projects every week, which is I, I need that too. I need some, some movement in my schedule or else I'll just <laughs> hit a wall. Do you have a, like a publication that you would love to write for or like a dream kind of gig? Oh my gosh. Yes. I want to be Hunter Harris so badly. She was a staff writer for Vulture for entertainment. Okay. For film and television. So I realized like, I don't know if I want to make film and TV necessarily, but I love like, I'm not, I don't consider myself a critic, but I like to give, I guess that is a critic. I love giving my opinion about film and TV. Like 
into heated debates, you know, I'll be like, Shape of Water was actually a great movie. And it's not as weird as you think, you know, okay. like, I have hot takes on, ev- I have hot takes on everything. I view things in such a weird, open way. And like, I love, I just like love film and TV. So I think it'd be really fun to write about it. That would be a great way to combine your passions and your kind of past projects. And yeah, no, you could definitely analyze like movies and TV and such. Yeah. That would be awesome. I feel like I worked um, in PR. So when you say pitch, I like have a little like flashback seizure of like (laughs) pitches. Cause I mean, like that's 90% of what I did at the theater I worked for is just pitching the artists. I think I pitched Vulture a few times. Yes. Yeah, I think when we did Dave the musical oh my um, gosh. <laughs> at Arena, because it's like we wanted, you know, the film version versus the stage version, yeah. kind of some, some coverage on that. So um, that's funny. No, that would be that would be awesome to write. Arena, Arena Stage. Mm-hmm. Is that what you work? That's so cool. I lived in Navy Yard, so I used to walk by all the time. Oh my gosh, you were right only, there. I was right there, but only I lived in Navy Yard really pretty much the pandemic hit, so I didn't see any shows there. Oh, no. which is upsetting. So you've never you've never seen a show there ever. Not a show there, but every day I'd walk by and I dream about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, when it opens back up and you can go back to to see theater, you have to check it out. It's I mean, it's a beautiful space. As you pass by it and you're just like, what is this like amazing looking building? You know, <laughs> like, it is amazing. Like yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was really, uh, the people there are really great and really, uh, I mean, some of the best theater I've seen and been a part of, um, you can ask Michael, I brought him to a, a few opening nights, making sure he's getting his theater fix. Yes. <laughs> but I guess that kind of leads us a little bit into your podcast and working with our friend, Michael Galfetti and, Tell us a little bit about two in the morning and how that started and where it's going and what we, what we should look forward to. Oh my gosh. It is so fun. It is the highlight of my 20 to 2021, whatever this year, I need to think of a name to just like, honestly wrap it all up. Yeah. Um, but it's a really fun show. Um, so it's Michael and I, who is like my childhood, like high school, like best friend. We've been through a lot together through, you know, bi-coastal friendship to like being in the same city. I just love him so dearly. And one thing that brought us together early on when I met him in high school is like, I feel like we didn't think like other kids. Like we were very like cerebral and we thought more about like what was like, what just meets the eye and what we're experiencing right now in this very small bubble. And we also like have a heart for other people. And so we would just, we really like, we always say we cut past like the bullshit stages of our friendship. Um, And we really started asking like questions like, I don't know, like, is love enough? You think like, does that save a relationship? Like, why does X, Y, Z happen? Or like, do you think like, it's okay to put yourself first? Or should we stop doing that so much? Like, should we say yes, no, or no more, you know? Um, and those are just kind of like surface level ones I'm giving examples of, but we would always ask each other these questions. And so when I moved to DC, he was in his last year at Mason. Um, Cause I'm a year ahead of him. Um, as far as like when we were like in school, Um, and so I had graduated, started working in DC and he was in his last year and on his apartment floor at the time, we just were like, we should record these conversations. Cause I had just done a podcast. This was 2016. I had just done a podcast my senior year at school. And I was like, it was really fun. We should do something like this. And so 
we recorded it. Who knows if we'll see the light of day. But we kept trying. Clearly, I moved. Then it was like, at that point, we were like, we can't do a podcast across the country. LOL. Which is like now. Now you could. Literal <laughs> podcast. Um, but we were like, oh, I guess we'll put it on hold for two years. Then I moved back. We tried to start making it happen. And then the pandemic hit. And so we find it, it's weird that it took a pandemic for it to happen. This has been four years in the making. But um, it's just really fun. We just explore questions. And it's genuinely like it's not improv because it's not performative, but in the way that like, we don't plan ahead. I feel like a lot of podcasts, like, you know, they prepare questions or they prepare a whole script or a story. And we genuinely don't know what we're asking each other going into it. And so we both bring a life question and then he answers mine and I answer his. Um, and we just have a good time. And sometimes we cry and sometimes we laugh and we disagree. Like Michael and I very much the same person. We have very different views on quite a few things. And so it's fun because I feel like we don't get like angry. We, we like it. We're like, we're like, Oh, you disagree. Tell me more. Like I get so excited. And I think that's important too, because when people listen, I hope they don't just get the same view from both of us for things. So yeah, no, I love it. I started off kind of listening each week and then I got behind and uh, a few weeks ago, I like binged it all while I was cleaning my house. And it's just th- there. It does such an interesting way to approach a podcast is, I mean, first of all, the surprise questions. I sometimes like think like, what if I put myself in these shoes? And usually when I'm listening, I immediately, you know, you jump to the answer or the opinion that is at the top of your mind, but then I'll, I'll like spend the day dwelling and be like, well, I understand that part too. Like, and I, so I feel like I'd be bad at it because I would just need a lot of time to, to, to break it down. But you guys have great chemistry over the mic and it's funny. It's, it's, you guys talk about real, real questions and real, things that like more humans than not probably think to themselves or, you know, have concerns or questions about. So, um, I highly suggest it. Oh, thank you. Um, it's funny that you say that too, because half of our production meetings are like, that can't, we should delete that episode. Like that's a really, like no one wants to listen to that or like, should that be the very first episode of the season? Like that's really intense. Like we go there, you know? So it's hard because sometimes we literally have to be like, okay, think of a lighter question because we will go in on something because we really, especially in the pandemic, we're just sitting around thinking about these things. It's yeah. But the comfort of conversation is so good. Yeah. It's just so good to say it out loud. You don't have to always have an answer to these things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And hearing you guys talk about it helps me think of, I mean, kind of process those different questions and things that, like you say, keep me up at night. Um, so I'm a big fan and I think it's just, it's such, it, I love also like the length. It's just short and sweet. You guys get to the point and <laughs> you, you know, go in on each question immediately and um, it makes me think. So everyone definitely go listen to two in the morning. I'll link all your stuff below, but that has been definitely one of the highlights of the pandemic for me too. I mean, it's amazing what people like, it's so exciting that it finally gave you a chance to create something that's been in the back of your mind for all these years with, you know, a great collaboration. And then finally you can do it and show the world. So I'm very happy for you guys. Congratulations. I'm excited for season two. Thank you. Oh, it is. We go there and 
I think this is, I mean, we hit this kind of speed bump in the first season, but in the second season, a lot of what you said about, you don't know what you would do in the spot. It comes to us, but there in the first season more so I should say, like, there wasn't a lot of questions where we had to stop and be like, Ooh, I need a second. Like we kind of said what we thought. And then sometimes we'd reverse it as we talked, but yeah. there were a few times the second season where I'm like, we need to like, we didn't know what to say sometimes. Like my first question or ask question, we're like, how do we, this is too big. Like I need a second. Um, so we definitely go there sometimes and sound stupid and maybe say things that I'm like, Oh my gosh, like rewind the tape, redo that. Like, you know, cause it's just, that's life. Like it's not, um, black and white all the time. Like it's gray and you can change your mind and you can grow. And that's something we also want to show with it too. So, yeah, I love that about it too. It's not like two sides fighting to be like the right. I mean, there's like, for a lot of them, there's almost no right answer. There's just the conversation and like being like, Oh, well we're humans and we have to live with these thoughts and process them somehow. I know what I mean. Like one, there is one. I'm just dying to ask you right now. I like want your opinion on it because Michael could not, he was like, I don't know how to answer this, but I feel like you'd be able to answer it, but maybe (laughs) I'm like, welcome to two in the morning. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that's, that's scary. That's definitely, I don't know how I would answer. Last year was also a big year for you because you released a book, which is amazing. <laughs> and your book is called Note to Self. <laughs> Will you tell us about how, wh- wh- what this book is, where it came from? I mean, obviously your mind, but um, what it is, what this past year has been like doing something so major like that, like that, congratulations. That is amazing. That's it's so exciting. Thank you. I just, that book is in my heart. Like I can't like, when I literally look at it, I get emotional. Like it's, it's like a baby. It's like true. I mean, not that I really know I'm not a mom, but I genuinely just like, Oh my gosh, like this is my whole heart, like in front of me and you can hold it. Like, and it's so, it, I think it's just what it's been. It came out June, 2020. It's not even a year. It's February right now. I think honestly, it's just now hitting me that like I have a book and it's out and that's huge because when it first happened, I just was like, I mean, I guess this is, I I can only speak for me as a writer. Like when you write something, you just like, you're doing it for like one of two reasons, at least for me, it's like, it's cathartic and I need to like get it out and process my experiences. Or I really want to help someone with what I have to say. And I think it can be a little, a little bit of both. But for me, it was like, I was so like, you do that and then it's out and you're like, I hope it's helping people. I hope they like it. And then you sit back and you're like, damn, like it's a whole book. And it just, and that day it came out, people kept asking me, how does it feel to be an author? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I literally don't even know what I had for dinner yesterday. Like I just want the thing to be out there. And so it's, I just, I love it. Sorry. I just like rambled and made no sense, but that's just kind of like reflecting on it is huge. Um, but it, it's crazy. It was, so it's, it's a book of, I don't say book of quotes. Um, cause I feel like that's very bold, but it's, I, it's a collection of like just my lessons in my life. And so genuinely I'm a huge note taker. I wouldn't like journaling to me can be a lot of different things. It can be like verbal prayer. It can be like you know, writing a list. It can be like doing brainstorm doodles. Like it's whatever you want it to be. And for me, it's like reflecting in phone notes sometimes like one off, like I don't sit down and have a journal session every morning, but 
I had been making this collection over like seven years of just like something would happen to me. And like, it hit me like a month later and I'd be walking the street. I'm like, that's the answer to something that happened to me, like to that, that thing that broke my heart or the thing that made me so happy or this experience I went through. And it would just like hit me like a light bulb. So I'd write down these quick lessons, like in my phone and they were all scattered. And I just started compiling them into one note called note to self it's just in my phone. And like, I never knew what was going to happen. I just like, I'm a writer. So I thought one day it might sneak into a blog post or into a poem or into whatever my future book, I don't know. Um, which and by future book, I'm at that point, like a memoir or a book of essays. Like, I didn't know it form as like just an inspirational, like book of quotes. Um, but it did. And so when the pandemic hit, the first thing I thought was like, Oh my gosh, I have time. I've like lost some of my jobs. I was like, I have time to do something I've always wanted to do which is write and publish a book. And I was just like, so eager to like give money financially and like help people who like, I luckily had an emergency savings. So I wasn't like scared when everything happened. I mean, of course I was scared, but I was like, some people don't even have that. And I just wanted to help the community. And so, um, it really almost like I did it as a fundraising effort. And so I ended up, I'm doing a scholarship for an organization that's actually based in Richmond called girls for a change. Okay. Um, and it helps young girls of color. Um, and it gives them like mentorship opportunities and different camps and really gives them a place to thrive and like prepare them for the world. Because obviously like when we go through the world, it's a lot different for, uh, you know, it's a lot different for us and a lot of other people. And so, mm-hmm. um, I really wanted to help this group. And so, um, I kind of used the book as like, literally I created it knowing that I take the proceeds and give them to an org. Um, and so I settled on this one, like my team helped me find them. And we, we did this one because I figured like the food banks, I originally was going to do something like COVID related. And I was like, but there's so many people suffering because of COVID, like financially and other aspects of their life. And I was, food banks are like, I had saw like people were giving million dollar donations. I was like, I think they're okay. I was like, who can I help in like my community? Yeah. Cause they had a up there. So that's kind of like, all the thoughts going into it, um, which is a lot of different thoughts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's that's, that's an awesome way to frame a book. I mean, think I'm just thinking into my phone. Like I have so many random notes that like, I'll be like, Oh, I'll get to that one day. It's like, that's, that's a great way to write. Sometimes I think journaling or like you said, I mean, it can come in many different forms and fashions. I sometimes am like, I need to like write about this or journal about this, but it doesn't have to be like that big of a, you can just make a note to yourself, like let yourself learn something or when you remember something or come to a realization, make a note, like let let yourself kind of go through the emotions without making like an insane deal about it. I need to write a novel about this. Um, which is like how my brain for some reason operates. It's like, you cannot go through anything. You have to write it in a journal that you can publish when you're dead. I'm like, what? No one cares about this. Uh, just like do it for yourself. But that's amazing. (laughs) I'm going to do a newsletter. Just wrote about like, it was essentially like, how do we feel about people publishing our journals when we're dead? And like, it's so morbid, but like, I literally, like, you said everything that I was too scared to say, where it's like, when you journal, you're as a writer too. And I mean, I, I guess anyone who's not a writer, you kind of write it thinking like, will this turn to something with it? I'm not sure. But you're also like, anyone can find this at any point. And it's like, how should we go about writing 
that. Like, I don't know. Anyways, I'll send it to you. It's fascinating. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I heard a podcast episode the other day. Um, it's called Fingers Crossed. These two girls kind of like just talking about life and such. Um, but they talked about like processing anxieties and journaling. And, um, they said like, you kind of have, they, the way one of them kind of writes and lets themselves just be free is imagine like that. You're going to burn the pages once you write it, like literally no one is gonna see it. No, it's not even a possibility. And so I kind of, I really took that and I was like, well, I don't think I'm, no, they're really going to like literally burn them. I mean, maybe that would be (laughs) some sort of sacrifice, but like, just like it helped me realize that I, yeah, everything I write does not have to be a perfect journal entry about the day. It can just be words. It can be a list. It can be, you know, there's no correct way to write and like learn and process things, but it does feel, I don't know why it does feel though, that like my journal should be pretty and it should be like nice handwriting and like someone could read this one day and publish it. Do I don't know if you when you journal, but my thing is sometimes it's not even being scared of what like we're getting really deep now, but it's not even being scared of what other people, like what happens when other people read it. But sometimes I think about like, when I come back to it, mm-hmm. how will I feel reading this? Like yeah. will I have let myself down. Yeah. Will I feel regret? Will I feel like I moved far away from what I once wanted yeah. or will I be out of myself? But it's like, sometimes I literally am so scared of what I'll like think about reading it back and I like I'm scared of breaking my own heart so I don't know if you ever go through that but that's one thing I face with journaling I'm like because it's too much yeah I don't want to I totally I I totally hear that I'll be like are you really writing these words like come on like (laughs) put yourself together like I'm like why am I judging myself while I'm like reflecting or I'm like it's so silly but it's yeah no I totally feel that it's I have journals from when I was in high school. I was big on, you know, writing each day, just like an entry per day. One day could be like, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Good night. Um, And the next day could be like a whole list or a whole situation that happened or, you know, like a story. Um, And I love looking back through those and just like see a high school girl going through you know, all the normal things. And it's like almost enjoyable, the embarrassing parts because I'm like, wow, like that is, it's precious to look back and be able to hear your own younger self say things. So I also try to remind myself, like, it's good to be like maybe a little embarrassed or, or proud or, you know, just experience those things when reading back. I, I wouldn't consider myself a writer, but when I was little, I did want to be a writer. And so I think I also have some of that like need to perform and like make it <laughs> nice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is so funny. You are a writer. It's my strongest belief that everybody's a writer. Okay. I like that. So I think you I hate when people are like, but you're not a real writer. I'm like, <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Literally put it on the record. I'm like, sky's a writer. Right. Okay, well, I'm adding it to my uh, resume. So <laughs> I'm a writer now. 
<laughs> you have so many amazing things going on right now. And um, I'm like 100% sure that they will keep coming and that this, you know, lifetime will take you all over the world, which is, oh it's exciting that we're, you know, I get, we get to be a part of your journey and, and watch all you do. So I'm really so excited to hear you talk about some of just some of your um, exciting projects. So I would not have an avid reader and writer on the show without asking her (laughs) what some of her favorite and most inspiring pieces of, of work have been in her life. And here are some of Mia's top picks. What comes to mind when I ask you, you know, what some of these big pieces of work for you are? Yes. So I'm an all over the place reader. I love fiction. And I love nonfiction. I would say there's like three very foundational books for me. And it's so funny because I feel like I, I love hearing people's favorite books because they say something about you because you pick them and you kind of curate your list to reflect like, you know, who you are as a person. And for me, I say these are my three foundational books because they're less about like, I don't think all these people are the most amazing writers, but it's more about what they have to say in their books. It's almost like a guide to life mm-hmm. and it's really moved me. So I would say um, my three are the four agreements and then the alchemist. And then Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch album is like my favorite book ever. I love the book. Also the author of the five people you meet in heaven, but really it's just like, it's so, it makes a lot of sense when you like read what those books are about. It's like, oh, that's why you literally have a podcast called two in the morning with your best friend where you literally talk about the deepest life questions because the alchemist is like almost like a fable. It's like fiction, a fictional story of like, you know, the shepherd who's like going, I don't want to give away the ending, but he's just going through life and he's finding his way. And it's very symbolic and it's like kind of fantasy, but, um, that's the alchemist. The four agreements is like the four ways to like live your life for like, basically, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of different ones. I couldn't recite them like word for word, but it's like about being intentional and about like your tongue is the most important thing you can use, like use it wisely. Um, it's just like how you act and how you're going to be a person of character. And then Tuesdays with Maury is just about like, I love academia. I love education. Like I love school. I'm a nerd and Mitch album goes back to college as his um, one of his favorite college professors is dying um, and meets with him every Tuesday. And he basically like gives him his last lessons on life. And like each week they talk about something different. So like at the end of his life, looking back on love, looking back on, you know, um, learning, looking back on family, looking back on friendship. So it's like that book moves me every time. And I have a signed copy by him because like, I'm obsessed. Um, I actually in the I street synagogue, he had his signing in DC and it was like the best one of my life. Like I was a baffling fool when I met him. I was like, and you know, everybody's in line literally telling him it's his favorite book. But I was like, this book changed my life like a freaking fool. Oh my uh, God. But I love it. Those are my three like favorite books. But of course, like, you know, I read like f- fiction. I read, you know, I'm really into like memoirs and essay collections right now. Um, but I would say like, I'm going to stick with those for my three foundational books. Four Agreements has been on my list for a while. Um, I need to, I need to read that. Last year I went through this thing where I was like, you know, at a thrift store or just, you know, like a free little library or whatever. I'd be like, oh, I really want to read this book. And all of a sudden I have all these books and I'm like, yeah, I need to stop. I need to read them. 
before I can get any more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cause I love, but I also love ha- like knowing I have options, but yay. Well, you thank you. <laughs> I know we got through so much today and I had such a great time learning about where you are in the world and what you've been up to. I'm so excited that I get to now follow along with your whole journey and um, continue obviously supporting you in any way I can. I will link all of your, um, you know, everything down below, but do you want to just tell people where they can find you and follow along? Yes, I am on Instagram at yours truly, Mia. Twitter, if you really want some hot takes at hot... Mia, literally always like I treat the other day. I was like, my goal is to always start a fight. Not really, but about the silliest things. Like the other day, I was like, white chocolate, dark chocolate, or milk chocolate. People were going ham. Like, oh like, my god, like, oh my god. I didn't mean to do this. But you know, if you're looking for a condom over there, um, my book Note to Self is out on my website. It's also on Amazon and the podcast. You can follow along on the podcast at two in the morning on any platform you listen to your podcast. Oh my gosh. So many exciting things. Everyone go follow along and um, support me. I'll put all of her links below in the um, show notes, but thank you again so much for being on. I had a blast talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you so very much for tuning in to Beaming this week. Make sure to go follow Mia on all of the platforms she mentioned. I hope you're staying warm during this freezing winter. I will see you next week for a new episode. Bye-bye.